This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. And maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. G'day, Adam. How are you going? Doing very well, thank you, Thomas. Massive show coming up, as always. French supermarkets are calling out shrinkflation, or as they call it, shrinkflation. <laughs> we'll take a look at the economics of the dark and dangerous black markets and ask, do they make economics interesting? And... <laughs> Sick of getting kicked off planes for banging in the toilets? Well, you might be pleased to hear there's now an adults-only airline. (laughs) More on that later. (laughs) I can't keep a straight face. But first, I can't believe, Thomas, it's only nine years until the Brisbane Olympics. Danielle sent us a question via Instagram, at CVE Podcast. Danielle was asking, what happens to house prices in Olympic host cities, have you got any uh, you got any economicsy data on that? Uh, no, not really. So there's mm, a few. Good. Yeah, I mean, experts are divided. You'll be, <laughs> <laughs> be sad to learn, right? Yeah, mm. I mean, the stats that sort of get bandied about is like Sydney house prices rose eighty eight percent in the five years up to the two thousand Olympics. 88%? Yes, yeah. That's enormous. That's pretty big, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no COVID, but it's still still up there. And then in the 11 years to Expo 88. <laughs> we can't compare the Sydney Olympics with Expo 88, surely. Oh, it's pretty big if you're in Brisbane. Yeah, still Olympics level. Was anyone travelling from London for Expo 88? Oh, I think they used to. Thing. Yeah, there was, and there was a lot of investment, like the whole South Bank development in Brisbane came right. out of that. Yeah, I remember we got a medal at school. Yeah, right. Commemorative. Every kid in every kid in Australia got a commemorative medal of what was it? The centenary of federation, the bicentenary of federation. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, for eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight. Way to create scarcity and value in the <laughs> rare coins market. Were there many of these made? Oh, only every child in Australia. <laughs> I hung on to mine for ages and then and every like couple of years I'd check the value on like eBay or whatever and just <laughs> just found that it was literally the only coin ever issued that wasn't increasing in value. It wasn't even keeping up with in, with inflation. <laughs> 
Yes, but yeah, so the yeah, Brisbane house prices went up 238% in the 11 years up to up to Expo 88. That must have been something else. No one was thinking about Expo 88 in 1977. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one no one wasn't the chat at the local at the local pub as everyone was sipping on their ponies at the the happy hour. Well, no, 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 no. The the reason we're talking 11 years there is that was that was the lead in time. That's the le- the runway from announcement to delivery of the expo. I'm saying even at the time of the announcement it would have been like what? I'm pretty sure it was in the newspapers. Yeah, it, I know it would have been because because news news was news, <laughs> but just because news is news, it doesn't mean people were like at all caring about it at that point. Yeah, they would have been like, "Yeah, cool, we're gonna have a we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a big royal show in 1988." I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of a big deal, but yeah. So, um, but the, the the theory goes is you get. Same like like expos with Olympics, you get a huge amount of investment in the city mm. that sort of juices up the economy. Um, you put the city on the international map, and that potentially creates more demand. But it's, I mean, the the thing, the hard thing to know is like, what's your time frame? Like, if if it's an investment story, then that's going to reap benefits afterwards. If it's sort of like a buzz story, that's in the lead up immediately around. But isn't isn't one of the problems of the Olympics though that um, a lot of the infrastructure and stuff they build just goes unused? Isn't that the big problem? Like it costs mm. cities billions of dollars to run the Olympics, mm. and then and they never kind of recoup the money that they spend. Like it's really yeah. expensive to host. There's, we we did a podcast episode on this I think last year or sometime, looking at. Um, the profitability of the Olympics and going, there's no money in hosting an Olympics. No, no, no. It's, it's yeah, it seems like a dud investment. Yeah, but look, in terms of house prices, like if it's <laughs> maybe people, maybe people really still want to live next to a disused swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a dud investment for for the city putting it on but for house prices like if it's used, often it's used to sort of to run cover for infrastructure spending so if you like you want to put in a train line and that's going to be expensive and the public's like oh seems like a lot of money and then you go oh well there's an olympics we need it for the olympics everyone's like oh all right sure we need a train line out to the outer suburbs we need to get king kyle up to the starting blocks quickly <laughs> we can't can't have can't have king kyle stuck in traffic yeah, so the the numbers just aren't really there. Like like you're talking about Sydney going up eighty eight percent in the five years to two thousand and one. Melbourne went up ninety five percent, and I think like the Olympics, you know, must have an impact at the margin. But I just think it gets swamped by by everything else, right? Like interest rates and other things going on in the economy. But that said, like I think your question was about investing in Brisbane. Like I think if you could buy Brisbane property ETF versus a Sydney or Melbourne property ETF, I think now would be a good time to buy that for Brisbane. Like I think I think the things are looking strong for Brisbane. Because of the Olympics or just generally? I think just generally, just generally. There's a few things going on in its favour. I think that the big one is that population's growing really strongly. So Australian population overall is growing very strongly, but we're starting to see more of that head towards Brisbane. So the in the year to March... Population was up 124,000. That's 2.35%. That's the biggest increase on record, driven by strong overseas and internal migration. 
So stocks right down, new listings are down 13%. That's the biggest fall across the country. Total listings are down 20% over the year. That was on already very low level. So there's a real lack of stock in the market. Mm. And then Brisbane's still relatively cheap. So the median Brisbane house price is only 54% of Sydney's median price. So it's still like, I just can't see that lasting. I can't see that differential being sustained over the long term, particularly if, if, you know, typically immigration flows when they come from overseas tend to land in Sydney and Melbourne. But Mm. I don't really understand the logic of that. There's no, I don't know what the reasoning there for that is. And if that starts to pivot towards Brisbane and partly that might happen because it's cheaper, then that's going to sort of push, push Brisbane prices up. So I think Brisbane's looking pretty like of all its relative performance to the other capitals, I think is probably going to be pretty strong. Well, you mentioned before that the Olympics really puts a city on the international map. Maybe that's why a lot of people coming from overseas are going to Sydney and Melbourne is because it's not Brisbane's not yet on the international map and so they don't know it exists until they get here because it's not on the map. So yeah. I think once it gets on the map and the map's updated, yeah. <laughs> then we could see an influx into Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, once they know how to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, something that doesn't normally get a lot of headlines, shrinkflation has made the news this week. What's going on with shrinkflation? Well, what is shrinkflation to start with? So shrinkflation is when the price per unit of something rises because the volume of the package shrinks Mm. and the price doesn't change. So, you know, 100 grams of coffee Mm. becomes 75 grams of coffee, but the price doesn't change but the price per gram has increased. Right. That's shrinkflation. Yeah, and normally they and I often put it in the same packet that the 100 grams came in. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sun, sometimes it gets a bit sneaky. Mm. I remember this at school with uh, tubes, if anyone remembers tubes, chips. I quite enjoyed tubes back in the day, um, like a sauce-flavoured snack. And, yeah, I... I... <laughs> <laughs> If you can imagine it. Yeah, and I remember that they went from, I think, 50 grams to 45 grams, but the packet was like identical. Um, Just all of a sudden you got less. Ah, right. More air. And tubes were already quite airy. They were not a very very dense snack to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, so so this has been a bit of a story post-COVID and part of the inflation story. Uh, But interestingly, so... Carrefour, I'm not sure on the pronunciation of that. Carrefour. Carrefour. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, think my, I think my uh, French accent credentials have just gone through the roof on this episode, nailing it. Yeah, well, that, that is their, their France's second biggest supermarket mm. uh, and they've taken to naming and shaming products with shrinkflation. Ah. So they're putting warning warning signs on it saying this product has seen its volume slash weight fall and the effective price charged by the supplier rise. It's, it's annoyed a lot of people in the home brand department of Carrefour who are making products for the supermarket. <laughs> 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 we're, try, we're trying to sell some goods here. <laughs> Stop putting your labels on, on the home brand stuff. I don't mind the Lipton, fine, just stick it on the bottle, but... Leave the home brand out of this. Or le home brand as it is in the <laughs> <laughs> I love the quote from Stefan, oh, you, you'll know this, know this pronunciation, mm. Stefan Bompe. Oh, Bompe. you got to really get, got to get in there. Bompe. Bompe. Bompers reckons that the... <laughs> Bompers. the <laughs> 
That's his nickname <laughs> in the Aussie media. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, but he reckons he's like obviously the aim in stigmatizing these products is to be able to tell manufacturers to rethink their pricing policy. Mm. The policy will stand until suppliers agree to cut their price. Yeah, tough stance. Pretty huge. Like, yeah, we're just out and out stigmatizing these products. Mm. Ah, it's, I like calling stuff out. Yeah, it's good. I think we should we should do it more. It's surprising to see yeah. it coming from the people who are selling the product, though. That's even better. <laughs> I know, right? This is the weird thing about it, right? Like, yeah, it's you're sticking the boot into your suppliers. Mm. So the suppliers are a bit like, oi. Yeah. How cool that is. But, you know, like in Australia, if you were to pull this off, like I tried, I did a quick search for, for Carrefour's margins mm. and I couldn't find find anything. But like, you know, in the Australian context with Wool's, Woolies and Coles both bumping up their margins on pre-COVID levels, mm. it'd be a bit rich to be like, oh, these guys are, trying to make out some more yeah increase the margins on their products Mm. it's like well that's what you guys are doing yeah and it's a kind of i mean it's a kind of a what do they call it like a symbiotic relationship like they both need each other right like the suppliers need the supermarkets but the supermarkets need the suppliers too i mean you know unless you stock home brand through everything but well, I think I think this is I think this is what what someone was saying and saying like uh, the Guardian was quoting Bronwyn Thompson, who's a sales strategist, saying that there's been a massive margin transfer over the last twenty years from suppliers to Coles and Woolies. Right. And the reason for that is that Coles and Woolies dominate, you know, sixty six percent of the grocery market. Mm. I don't think you'd have that kind of concentration in any of your any of the other products coming into the market. Mm. So the companies selling into into Coles and Woolies, they're facing a very competitive market, so their margins are getting compressed because it's competitive. But Coles and Woolies can expand their margins because they because they dominate. There's almost a duopoly there, right? Yeah, interesting. So, so it's a little bit like feels a, to me like without knowing the numbers, feels a bit like a marketing exercise. I feel like prices are probably going up throughout Carrefour. And then they're just pulling out some headline and names and going like, "Oh, look, we're on the side of cheap prices yeah, and we're, protecting consumers. We're fighting, fighting for the battlers. Yeah, we're going to name and shame these people with the shrinkflation. But it's like, yeah, but what are your margins and what's your market share? I don't know. It feels like feels like a little bit of a. I saw also there was a um, a French newspaper called um, La Parisienne um, who called out the format of. The Big Tasty. So the Big Tasty is a McDonald's burger that's sold in in France. And they said that they noted that it had gone from 868 calories for the old version and now only has 663 calories for the same price. So even McDonald's, yeah. So, like, imagine imagine not getting all the calories you paid for. (laughs) (laughs) They probably got caught out trying to like, I imagine it would have been like, why don't we just stuff extra salad in there? We'll just get some more lettuce, fill it out so it's the same size, but the calories were actually lower. So then people were going like, hmm, shrinking waistline tells me this is shrinkflation. <laughs> but the other thing was the the finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, announced uh, a new law. So he's, um, I saw he's forcing manufacturers to mark products reduced in weight. So that's as oh, like he's putting right. it into law. There you go. So he's, yeah. Um, but I think his was more like if you're keeping everything else the same, uh, yeah. then that's, that's like, that's illegal. That's duping the consumer. So we want them to get all the calories <laughs> that, they, that they want. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll take a break here on CVE and be back with more right after this. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And Thomas, it's time to, for our regular check-in with Border Force. Uh, what have they been up to lately? Yeah, yeah. No, they've been busy. <laughs> Australian busy force. Yeah, the uh, AFR, I don't know why this is, a, the AFR submitted a freedom of information request. I don't know why this would have been restricted information or wouldn't be public. It makes me think that ABF told them to put in an information request. But what they're saying is they've, they've seized a billion illegal cigarettes worth $1.1 billion in foregone tax over the past two years. There's an illicit tobacco task force. Oh, right. I thought... I thought you meant like in one sting, like it oh. was just a big, like they seized a billion cigarettes. I'm like, that's it. That's impressive. <laughs> Where do you even hide a billion cigarettes? <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of teddy bears with cigarettes up their bums. <laughs> yeah, so that's two years, one, a billion cigarettes in two years. Um, but in, they did, there was a two-day blitz in August uh, that seized 1.5 million cigarettes. Mm. Wow! Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So pretty massive, and that's not that's not counting chop chop. So all like the tobacco packets. Oh, just like a roll your own sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, talking to my mate Paul. Shout out to Paul. He's a fan of the show. Um, yeah, he's saying like there's a huge. He showed me a chop chop packet, and it's yeah, like it looks exactly like tobacco. What you'd expect tobacco to look like. It's got a health warning. It's got like a picture of a gangrenous foot. Got all the stuff. <laughs> you think that they you think they would try to make their product slightly more attractive? Yeah. <laughs> like given that they're obviously not subject to the same government regulations because it's black market tobacco. Well, yeah, but they're trying to sneak it in alongside the legal tobacco and then it's being sold in like corner shops around Australia. Oh, so there it's it's like a direct kind of counterfeit product that we're talking yeah. here, not just a 
it's not just black market tobacco, it's counterfeit tobacco being no, passed no, off no, as... No, 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 it's not being passed off as like a legal tobacco, but it's like it's an illegal, it's the brand is illegal. It's not pretending that, but it's oh. it's look it's made it's got the pictures on it, so it looks like it's gone through government regulation. Mm. So it's like it looks like it, and you buy it. Yeah, yeah. And right. if you didn't know and you bought it from your corner store, you might think that it was properly regulated, and that and that's what my mate Paul was saying. Like you got no idea how this stuff's been grown or the chemicals involved or anything, any any right. idea of what's happening in the supply chain at all, and then it's being being sold on the market and because it's not paying there's no paying taxes on it can it can undercut the market because it's can just be cheaper i didn't i didn't know yeah like i, I didn't realize that was even a thing so that's happening all all across australia yeah 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 and and it seems to be having a big impact like there was saying that um supermarket sales woolworths tobacco sales were down 16 percent in the last in, over the last year Right. So that's a pretty big pretty big job. Hang on, tobacco sales being down, doesn't that also say maybe that, that anti smoking advertising might be working too? And like generally or the that vaping is increasing? I see a lot of people vaping nowadays. That's true. Sixteen percent a year though, that's a pretty big drop. A lot of people vaping though. I've seen that. Like, yeah. I've got some data. I've seen a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, vapes are another one. Like they're not legal either, but they're being sold in the same stores. And it's, it's sort of like it's just falling between the cracks. Like there's sort of federal laws against it. Mm. It's, it's on the states to uh, enforce it, and it's just sort of slipping through the cracks. So what's the lesson here then? I think the, in the interesting thing here is I think like so part of this problem has been created because we're taxing cigarettes so much. Yeah, and, the, and the, in the May budget, there's increased the excise another 16% over the three years. So an average packet price go of 25 cigarettes will go from just under 40 to about $50 over the next four years. That's just on the taxes. $50? Is that where cigarettes are at now? I used to smoke when I was yeah, like 20. Yeah. And I remember like $12, $15 maybe. $40? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 50, yeah, and uh, going up to 50. And so because of this price point, you create the incentive for black markets because black markets can mm. – because it's now, it's now profitable enough to import chop-chop from wherever it's coming from. At the same time, on the demand side, it's become a, a lower socioeconomic kind of thing because it's, you know, it's people who are addicted to cigarettes who can't – you can't mm. – you just go, oh, okay, I've just got to pay whatever price it is. Um, and so you have a sort of a low socioeconomic demand cohort meeting a black market supplier chain, you kind of have a situation like this. So if you're going to have like high taxes means you've got to, you've got to co- complement that with um, enforcement. Mm. No, I, don't th- I don't think we're quite right. I think we're missing that. And I think that's probably what I reckon Australian Border Forces organise this freedom of information request through the AFR to highlight this and to put pressure on the states to enforce enforce the laws, my guess. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's a, obviously it's a complicated issue, right? Like, I don't know, rather than taxing, like, I don't know, I just think like, some, like couldn't we do more about reducing people's dependency on cigarettes rather than taxing the cigarettes that exist more and more and more like can't we get like nicotine patches on medicare or something i don't know like i'd be supportive of that like because it's not just the it's the cost to society as well through smoking related illness and all that sort of stuff yeah it's 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 i mean yeah taxes isn't isn't the only thing like there's a lot of advertising there's bans on advertising all that sort of stuff the cigarettes behind the you know shutters so you can't actually see the products all that stuff is having its impact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But the other thing, I think the other thing we could do too is not call it Chop Chop. That's kind That's of a cool, cool, isn't it? A cool name. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we've got. I think we need to come up with a much more boring name than Chop Chop. That sounds fun. All right. <laughs> All right, Thomas. Finally on the show. I am excited about this one. Uh, Leave it to those sexy Dutch to make a sexy airline. What's this I hear about an adults-only airline? Yeah, so the the Dutch airline, Corondon Airlines, is has announced that it's going to launch an adults-only section. Oh, just an adults-only section, not a whole, not a chartered flight. Adults-only. No, no. That could get a bit wild, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Need some, you need, need some responsible people. Yeah. with kids to keep everyone <laughs> under control. That's right. I'm trying to sleep <laughs> back vicious. here. Just, an, just someone running nude down the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got kids in the back still. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I like this though. I, I I was calling for this years ago when I used to, when I was a younger person and flying and just thinking I would definitely pay to to go on an airline or in a section that didn't have kids. Yeah, would definitely. You, would you pay ten percent? That's what they're charging. So. On a flight that oh, costs six hundred and sixty, yeah, six hundred and sixty euro flight, they're going to cost for an extra forty five euros, so less than ten percent. You get to sit in the adults only section. Double it. I'd pay. I'd pay double that easily. Twenty percent, no yeah, dramas. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure how Anna would feel about it now because she'd have to be in the back with, with the kids. kids. But, <laughs> but to me, that's what twenty percent easy, easy covers it. The, the value. Just <laughs> dipping into her grocery money. <laughs> Buy you a extra legroom, child-free seat. Oh, can you imagine? I'd I'd be flying everywhere. I'd go to places I didn't even need to go. Yeah. So yeah. So that's, so they're they're trialing this. They're, I mean, it's in, they don't have a business class or a first class on this flight. So because I think like normally if, right. you, if you go business class, that's the way to get out of the kid zone. Yeah, but then there's no guarantee there won't be kids in business class. Like rich people have kids. Do they, yeah, do they? I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's right. You might not have flown business class, Thomas, like some of us, but um, <laughs> I did it once, of course. Everyone's got that story of when they flew business class. I did it once on our honeymoon because Anna's uncle worked for Qantas at the time and he was able to get us a free upgrade for our honeymoon. Yeah, no, I think there's there's nothing stopping you bringing kids into business class. Right, right, right. I don't think. I could I'd correct us on that, CVE at equity, equitymates.com. So the question is then, why why has it taken us so long? Do you think why haven't we seen this before? Because it seems like an obvious like value proposition. It is an obvious idea, isn't it? Like if you've got extra leg room, you've got getting out early and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think I wonder if like I reckon the the airlines already have a policy of pushing babies and kids towards the back of the plane, mm. and I wonder if it's like what are the message that it sends. Like I'm thinking of. In the 90s, Japan had a problem of what they call chikan, of like sexual harassment on their trains because the trains are so packed and then men would use that as a, as a way to copper feel. Um, and right. because of the way shame worked, women wouldn't call it out and just became this big, became this huge problem. And so they took all these measures to deal with it. One of them was that they created women-only carriages. And so it's like, well, we'll protect the women and women can go in the women-only carriages. But the thing was you had like peak hour, like you couldn't choose to be in a women-only carriages and seemed like sexual assault actually went up because the men went, well, oh, if you decide to be in the, not in the non-molestation oh. carriage, then you're in the, you've signed up for the molestation <laughs> carriage. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. That's bad. It's sort of a bit of an unintended consequence. And I wonder if, mm. like if you said, 
that you have the kids the kids set you have the adult section implies you've got a kids section and maybe in the kids section people are like, ah well everyone's gonna let my kids run amok because <laughs> <laughs> <Bold. yeah. laughs> <laughs> there's no seats they're just swings um, but it's like oh, i'm not i'm not going to tell my kids to be quiet or to stop kicking the right. ch- seats because everyone here has obviously signed up to be in the kids section Therefore, they're okay with my kids just running a mark. Maybe, maybe, but this is where I think they they could like there's a there's maybe some and like a marketing strategy here where you go look it's ten percent pre flight if you want to go in the adults only section. It then goes up to fifty percent <laughs> once you've sat down <laughs> and had and just had a look around, seen who's in the surrounding seats. Mm. And then, if you still want to go to the to the adults only section at that point, it's fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a money spinner because that it's at that point in that situation where you're like, I would pay my left leg to get away from this kid who's behind me. Sorry, Anna, I'm moving forwards. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right uh i reckon that does it for this week's cve thank you so much for tuning in uh as i mentioned you can send us an email cve at equitymates.com or uh via facebook and instagram at cve podcast or via the website equitymates.com the other thing we'd love you to do is to go and leave us a review uh wherever you get your podcast uh thomas sounds like he's typing away he's leaving (laughs) us a review right now (laughs) the comedian sucks his jokes are derivative. <laughs> Poor taste. <laughs> he was a bit racist with his French <laughs> accent. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Uh, if you could do one or all of those things, we'd love it. Uh, thanks very much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time on Comedian versus Economist. It's bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.